Leveling up. Extreme business growth through raising your game. When what was once extraordinary becomes ordinary, you know you've leveled up. Hello and welcome to the Leveling Up podcast with me, George Swift. The Leveling Up podcast is here to give you the personal development, the entrepreneurial development and the business growth that you, the ambitious business owner, desires. I'm here to give you the inspiration, the motivation, but above all else, to challenge your aspirations to take you and your business to the next level. Don't forget, subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. The smart entrepreneur knows when to do more and when to do different. It's not as easy as it sounds because at what point do you throw in the towel, change your strategy, change your objectives, change your goal? At what point do you change your direction of your business? At what point do you roll up your sleeves, put in the extra days, put in the extra hours, pull the all-nighters, work weekends, bank holidays? At what point do you know that you have to dig in harder and at what point are you just beating your head against a brick wall? This is actually a challenge for many entrepreneurs. The reason being, actually, most of us, we give in too soon. Most of us, we don't have the patience, the tenacity, the endurance to go the distance and we tend to quit or we tend to change our strategies or we flip-flop on our approach or our direction of our business or our marketing, all our strategies within those things. And what happens is we never really give something the time it needs to be able to really deliver the results. This is something that I can definitely relate to because I'm naturally at heart a creative, I'm a little bit of an artist, and I can get bored quite easily. So I know that I have to really curb my natural tendency to fiddle with things and tinker with things and you know to get bored with something and say well that doesn't work I need to go and do something more exciting and more fun partly because actually for me the most fun part of any project is the conception part you know the the getting started bit the bit where it's a vision in your head I love that part of a project and therefore I know that I have a tendency to be addicted to that part and therefore I don't necessarily see things all the way through. So I've learned that about myself and therefore I know that when I want to quit or change direction or I want to change something, the chances are I will naturally distrust myself. I will naturally presume that my brain is doing what it's always done for the last however many years where it's trying to get me back onto something that it perceives as more exciting, more fun, whatever it might be. However, there has to come a point, of course, where equally I realise that I need to probably change my direction. And, you know, there's that point where you're just being a belligerent bastard and you're just, you know, for the sake of it, you're just, you know, saying, I refuse to give up. I refuse to be wrong, I guess, is a big part of this, right? I refuse to be wrong. I refuse to admit to myself or anyone that this isn't how it's going to be and whatever, you know, the more the more you invest yourself down a certain path, the harder it can be to alter that path. One of the biggest challenges around this topic is that of being completely and utterly transparent with yourself. You don't have to admit it to other people. You don't have to go out there and confess to anyone. But you do need to be able to stand there, you know, in front of a mirror and dare to challenge yourself, dare to see maybe what it is you don't want to see. You know, it was easier for me, you know, all that time ago to believe that what I was working on wasn't working than it was to admit that I didn't have the patience, the tenacity, 
the perseverance to follow anything through. So it was easier for me to say, oh, you know what? This idea didn't work, was more comfortable for me, especially because the payoff is I get to go and do the fun stuff on the next project. It was much more comfortable to say, you know what? This, this isn't the right way. This isn't the right thing than to admit that I was a terrible finisher, that I was terrible at seeing projects through. Even though it was my idea that was failing, it still felt safer to me to believe that the idea was flawed rather than I was inherently flawed. And I protected myself, inverted commas there, I protected myself against having to see the truth in my own flaws as a person, my own character flaws, my own flaws as an entrepreneur, business owner, by believing that the idea was flawed, the project was flawed, the, the way I was going about it was flawed. That felt safer to me. Now, of course, I didn't know I was doing this any more than anyone is really aware of a lot of what it is they're doing, especially the stuff that might be having a negative impact on their life. However, it was something I had to face up to, and it was something that I did have to go and excavate for and to look into myself. And these things typically come to us in lessons in life. Either, you know, like you meet someone else, you go on a project together, you're going to give up and somebody else is close to that project. They see what you're doing and they call you on your bullshit. And it takes a very big person to be able and willing to be called on their bullshit. But I do encourage you to become that person. And, you know, you get called on your bullshit and then you reflect on this. You typically become defensive, maybe even angry, maybe even aggressive to the other person. But if you're open and you're willing, you go home at night and it niggles you and it eats away in the back of your mind because there's an element of truth there that has been spotted, has been seen. And, you know, if you're really brave, you then follow that path. It's like a little thread, you know, and you pull on that thread a little bit and see where that takes you. And then you uncover this this flaw. And it's not necessarily as elegant as this or even as simple as this. As I've said, you probably go defensive initially, get angry, denial. Then maybe you go home and then you do a little bit of picking and you don't like what you see. So you double down on your denial. And it might be that this has to you know, occur many times. It may even be over multiple years. You know, I'm here now. I'm approaching the end of my fifth decade and I'm still learning about myself all the time. Now, one of the things that I've really shifted myself over the last probably 20 years specifically is now when I see a flaw or I see that thread, I do get a little bit excited to pick at that thread because I know there's an opportunity at the end of it. I don't always find it comfortable. That's not the same thing. But I am willing to spot these threads. I'm willing to see my flaws. I'm still not comfortable with other people pointing those flaws out to me. I'm not going to lie to you. I still go to that place that many of us do. I might get uh, defensive or I might try and protect myself because I don't want someone else to see me as less than what I would like them to see me as and I feel judged and I'm a bit of a people pleaser and if you've been listening to my podcast you know all about these things in myself so I'm not always necessarily the most welcoming of feedback and criticism again I've done episodes on that but for me once I see it especially if I see it for myself then I do see the opportunity behind that to unpick at that to find these flaws. So you do need to, and I've now I've laboured that point at the beginning of this episode, but you do need to be willing to be honest with yourself because if you're not honest with yourself, the content I'm going to share with you over the next, what, maybe 13, 15 minutes is going to fall on deaf ears. And, you know, you might be hopefully entertained by it. You're listening to it, so I assume you're getting something out of this. But you might not necessarily have the breakthrough that you would be able to have if you are willing to listen to what I'm going to share with you right now in a way 
of self-critiquing, right? This isn't about beating yourself up. This isn't about making yourself feel bad. This isn't about opening up Pandora's box and anything you hate about yourself. It's just being willing to, you know, see yourself truthfully and honestly, objectively, so that you can then increase your own personal performance by addressing any character traits within you that are holding you back from being the person that you could be and having the success that you want to have out of life and out of business. So the question is really simple. Are you honestly working hard enough? And if you are working hard enough, are you belligerently working hard on something because you're insistent on seeing something through even when it obviously isn't working or it's failing or a better path would be more positive for you and more positive what it is you're trying to create. So I'm going to try and help you here and we're going to talk about first and foremost the smart person knows when to do more. So when I say when to do more it's doubling down on activity, it's staying with your idea, it's sticking to your guns it's persistence, it's resilience, it's perseverance, it's patience. And it's sometimes about working harder. It's putting more hours in, more days in, it's making some sacrifices. So the first question is really simple. Do you feel you're doing the hours that you should be doing? Now, again, there's no rules on anything here other than if you're working part-time, don't be surprised that you're not getting part-time returns. So, you know, if you're working four hours a day for four days a week, you know, you're doing a, you know, what's that, a 16-hour week, don't be surprised that you're not doing 100 grand or 250 grand in your business. You know, there's this whole concept, this work smart, not hard. Again, another podcast I've done on that in the past. And if you listen to me talk about the work smart, not hard thing, I criticize the hell out of it because it lures people into thinking that actually they can work smart to create success. And the truth of the matter is, of course, you have to work hard. Everyone that's ever created anything in life of any magnitude had to work really hard for it. But of course, you also then have to work smart. And what I talk about is how the working smart is what leverages the working hard. Or you could say it's the working hard that leverages the working smart. So the way I say this is working smart is what makes working hard work. And then sometimes you can flip that and say, well, working hard is what makes working smart work. Does this make sense? So the question is really simple. Have you bought into this notion that because you're your own boss, have you bought into this notion of the four-hour work week, you know, the one-hour manager, whatever you know, nonsense is being pushed out there at the moment in terms of working smart, not hard? And are you falling victim of that because you, know, you think you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, but when you add up your hours, you're doing like 25 hours a week? And then you're wondering why you're not getting full-time returns. Well, I'm going to tell you now, every successful business that I've ever come into contact with, they might get to do the 25-hour week at some point in the future. Some of them even get to do no hours a week and still own the business and make loads of money. That comes later. That's the, that's the payoff from all of the hard work that they did for many, many years leading up to that. I've yet to meet any truly successful person that hasn't put in way more hours into their own business than they would ever work for someone else. So I'm not talking even about doing a 37 and a half hour week here. I'm talking about people doing 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Some people potentially even doing like 100 hours a week on their businesses. But it's in the same as this hustle and grind and I get it. You know, we don't like to hear all this stuff. And, but here's the truth of it. If you are doing 100 hours per week, you're going to get twice the results as someone doing the same work for 50 hours a week. 
Now, if someone's doing 50 hours a week and they're smarter and they're twice as smart in terms of how they're working, not intelligence, but they're working twice as smart as you, then they'll get the same result in 50 hours as you would get in 100 hours. However, if they worked 100 hours, they would get twice the result that your company getting now and twice the result they were getting now. It's the same thing for the person doing 25 hours a week. If the person that's doing 25 hours a week is working twice as smart, twice as efficient, twice as effective as the person doing 50 hours a week, they'll get the same returns. However, if they work 50 hours a week, they would get two times the return. And if they did 100 hours a week, they'd get four times the return. So I'm not going to tell you there's any rules here in the sense that you should do 25, you should do 50, you should do 8, you should do 100 hours. All I'm asking you to do is to be honest in your reflection of what it is that you're doing and how many hours you're putting in each week and ask yourself, am I truly putting in enough to get the results that I want to achieve? So if you're trying to build, you know, let's say you're a 30 grand business, you're doing 25 hours a week and you're trying to build a 100 grand business, I'm going to tell you you can't do it. But I will tell you after mentoring 400 businesses that it's unlikely. And equally, you know, if you're running a, a 100 grand, 200 grand business, doing 25 hours a week, you've got to that point where you can run a 200 grand business on 25 hours a week. I'm not going to tell you you can't hit a million doing 25 hours a week. I'm just going to say that out of all the businesses that I've mentored and all the businesses in my mastermind, all the multi-million pound businesses that I've worked alongside and with and known, none of them got to a million pound doing 25 hours a week. So you can try and buck that trend or you can accept the truth, which is if you want what I would call relatively high degrees of success in this world, you're going to have to put in the time. You're going to have to put in the hours. So the first question here is really simple. Are you putting in enough hours into your business? Are you someone that gets distracted easily? Do you work from home and you know, you're know you up at eight o'clock in the morning and you've got great intentions or up at seven in the morning, you've got great intentions and then you, know, you get the kids off or whatever, you see your wife off or your husband off and then you think, all right, I better get on the bike or get on the running machine. So then you do your training, it's now 10 o'clock. Then you have, I don't know, a coffee. You go through some emails. Then you get distracted by something else and then you have lunch and then, you know what I mean? It feels like you're doing a whole day's work. But, you know, then your kids come back at four o'clock and they start to distract you. Then your wife comes in at five o'clock, your husband comes back at 5.30 and then you get lunch on or dinner on or whatever. You know what I mean? You add it up and you're starting to say, damn, you know, I'm probably doing like 20 hours a week here. I'm doing like three, four, five hours a day maximum. Now, here's an interesting point. They've shown that actually in normal corporate environments, the average person is only working about 50% of the time. And when I think back to you know my days of working for other people, by the time you add in all the chats around the coffee, um, and you get all the chats around the water, and you you know you have lunch, and you know then you go to the bathroom for an extended bathroom break, and then you meet some people on the way and the stairs, and you have these little chats, and then you get distracted by personal email, or you know and you think well, actually you know probably true, I mean, probably the on average maybe I did only work like you know fifty percent of the time, but here's the thing: you're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, you're not getting an hourly rate here. So you're only getting paid on what you do. So if you're only doing 25 hours, right, you don't get paid a full wage. It doesn't work like that because you can't pull the cloth over the eyes of the manager because the business will reward you directly proportionate for the efforts that you put in. So let's have a look at that and say, right, are you working hard enough? And if it's a project that you're working on that's not working, have you given that project enough hours? Physically, I'm talking about just pure hours right now. Have you given the project enough hours? 
I subcontracted a telesales person a number of years ago and Tracy, my partner in life and in business, was dealing with her. And Tracy hasn't really done telesales per se. Tracy's done a lot of sales, high, high level sales, and she does pretty much all the sales in our business today. However, she's not done telesales. I have done a lot of telesales in my past. And it wasn't ringing true because Tracy was saying, well, you know, apparently it's really hard to get this and telesales doesn't seem to work in what it is that we offer and people aren't responding to it. And it just didn't like make sense to me. So I went and met this woman and I said, right, show me your data. You know, you're telling me that telesales isn't going to work for my business. Show me the data. She'd made 37 calls. She'd probably made like 100 or so actual telephone calls. She'd spoken to like 37 people sacked her instantly right in that second didn't discuss it didn't talk about it further didn't try and educate her literally let her go 37 calls is never going to be enough to know whether telesales is going to work or not okay an average telesales person will be making about 100 calls a day i'd expect them to speak to about one in four so i'm thinking 25 conversations a day i wouldn't quit on telesales i'm telling you now minimum right a month a month at 25 actual contacts per day I would be assessing the situation and I wouldn't pull the plug even at that point, even if it wasn't working, but I'm definitely assessing the situation after that first month. So it's 125 contacts per week. So now we're looking at what, 500 actual contacts. That's probably enough data to maybe look at our strategy and say, look, maybe this angle isn't working. Maybe try a different strategy or a different, not script. I don't believe in scripts, but you understand a different script on how to get through to the right person or how to have that right conversation. We adjust maybe, right? After about a month, 500 calls. Maybe not, but maybe 500. I wouldn't quit on telesales unless it was obviously falling flat on its ass and it would need to be months and months. Like I'm, I'm talking about like minimum three months before I even started to doubt it. And even then, if I felt it was the right strategy, I'd probably double down for maybe another three months after that. If it wasn't delivering anything after about six months, I'd probably consider pulling the plug. But again, I'm looking at the data. So again, this isn't saying to you that you have to, you know, follow that plan of action or that those months are necessarily a blueprint for you to follow. The question is really simple. Are you quitting too soon? Do you have enough data, enough feedback to say that this thing's not working? You put out a marketing campaign, you know, a Facebook ad, and I don't know, 250 people see the ad, you don't get any return, it would be crazy to pull the ad and say it doesn't work, in my opinion. Crazy. You need more data. You know, and the quicker you can go all in on something to get the data, then you, the quicker you can adjust or the quicker you can pull the plug. So at what point do you say this ad isn't working? Is it after one week and you spent eight quid on it on Facebook? Is it after five years and you spent 25 grand on it? There's somewhere in the middle there, you get this? There's somewhere in the middle and you need the data. The data is going to give you. If, it, if something looks like it might be working, you want to stick with it. If it looks like it's not working at all, you probably want to stick with it for a bit. And then when you start to see the data, you may adjust it slightly. And at some point, it becomes the right thing to do to pull the plug on it or to change a strategy altogether. Most business owners, in my opinion, especially the really small ones, they don't have the patience or the tenacity that's required in order to give a project or to give a strategy its full attention. The first challenge to you is really simple. Are you putting enough hours into whatever it is that you are trying to create a success out of? Your business as a whole, a product line, a marketing campaign, a sales strategy. Are you giving it enough time to get enough data back to really be able to decide on whether or not this thing is or isn't working? That's the first thing. The second thing is work rate. So I'm talking about the hours now, okay? That's the work hard part. 
We also have to look at the work smart part. So the next thing is how effective and efficient are you being with your hours? So let's say, for example, like a lot of business owners, I'm not going to lie to you, a lot of business owners, they need to work harder than they're working. It's really simple. They need to do more hours, right? They really do. I see people and I, I, I look at their life and they're getting distracted with home chores and kids and family. And, you know, they get distracted by the TV. They get distracted by the house that's met, whatever it might be, right? And I look at them and they're just not putting the hours in. But I do find business owners who are genuinely tired, they're worn out, and the thought of more hours is probably going to break them. And they are doing, you know, 40, 50 hours, maybe even 60 hours. And, you know, they're doing the late nights or they're doing the early mornings and maybe the weekends. And, okay, great. So we know you're putting the hours in because you should be able to definitely grow a successful, if not a very successful business, doing that kind of, that kind of work ethic. The next question is, are you getting the work done? So are you actually doing... 10 hours a day, or are you taking twice as long to do things that you need to do, in which case you're only doing effectively five hours a day? They did an experiment many years ago that I saw. Can't quote you who did it or where it came from, but it stuck in my head. And it was basically looking at different cultures and their work ethics. And they looked at the Germans and it was the British and the Americans. And they basically said, right, here's a piece of work. Work until you've completed it and then you can go home. And what they showed is that the Germans, without stereotyping here, but the Germans were done about lunchtime and were off home, right? They'd done it, boom, super effective, super efficient. I know it's a stereotype, but there's a reason stereotypes exist. They got the job done, bang, off they went. The Brits, again, without trying to stereotype us, guess what we did? Yeah, we finished dead on five o'clock. That work absolutely filled exactly the right number of hours. We didn't do a minute more or a minute less. Again, I don't want to stereotype us, but that kind of feels a little bit vaguely familiar to my experiences in this country, right? Now, the Americans... And again, without trying to stereotype and offend anybody, I do know quite a few people that had to work in America or have worked in America, and they do sometimes have this, you know, more is more kind of attitude, and they tend to work long hours and everything else. Um, however, for some of the Brits that have gone to work in America, they can't necessarily work out what they're doing for those hours because, again, you know, they're finished at five o'clock and they're looking around and people see, seem to still have their head down working hard till eight, nine o'clock at night. So guess what happened, right? The Americans took about another three, four hours longer than the Brits did. So the Germans did it in like half the time of the Brits. The Brits did it in like three quarters, two thirds of the time of the Americans. And a lot of that down is to, down to cultural values around work. So the reason I bring that into what we're talking about here right now is actually the same piece of work took the Americans like, what, three times longer, whatever it was, maybe more than the Germans. And it took us like two, two and a half times longer than the Germans because we think we're putting the work in, but we're not being super efficient and super effective with our time. So we're not doing the right things or we're not working at a pace. So my next challenge to you is you're putting the hours in. Great. If you're not putting the hours in, red flag there. Right. I'm only doing 20 hours a week. Probably the reason your business isn't as successful as it could be is because you're doing part time hours. So it's a really easy fix there. Guess what you do? Get your hours up to a minimum of 40 hours, minimum 40 hours a week. Do that for what? Six months. And then you can reevaluate because if you're still not getting the success that you think you need or should be getting then of course, something else is at foot. You may also apply this next strategy, which is, you know, if I am doing 50 hours, 40 hours, 60 hours, but I'm not being effective with those 40, 50, 60 hours, I become more effective, more efficient with those hours. So effectively, I make the most of the hours that I'm working. Again, I find a lot of people that do long hours 
And I've fallen foul of this myself, doing long hours, but ineffectively. Either because they're distracted by other things or because they're not fully focused or because they're doing the wrong stuff. They're focused on the wrong tasks. This makes sense. Or they've got the wrong mindset. They haven't approached it with the right attitude. Whatever it might be. Might just have some really bad habits, right? A bit like the, the German, the British and the American thing here. You know, just some bad habits that have got into place. Apart from the Germans, they haven't got bad habits. They were knocking this shit out in a few hours. But for the rest of us, some bad habits of, you know, making jobs fill time. And again, this is a science that's been proven here that if you give something an hour, it will take an hour. You give someone a deadline, they hit the deadline. Don't give them a deadline, it takes twice as long. So we all fall foul of this all the time. So we're not working as effectively as we should be or could be. So my next challenge to you, are you working as effectively, as efficiently as you should be, as you could be towards your business as a whole and maybe any individual project or strategy within it? And be completely honest with yourself. Because if you're going half-assed, you're going to get half-assed results. If you're working part-time, you're going to get part-time money. If you're going half-assed, you're going to get half-assed money back. So if you're not doing the hours and you're not being affected with your hours, you might be doing the equivalent of 12 hours, 10 hours. And I'll tell you now, you wouldn't be the only one out there that feels like they're doing a whole job, feels like they're working hard. And yet when we break it down, you're probably doing about 12 hours work a week. 15 what sort of result would you expect anyone to get if they were only working between 10 and 15 hours a week? You wouldn't expect that to be a business that was in the top 10%, a business that was going to break 100K, or in the top 1%, you know, a business that was going to break a million. You wouldn't expect that to get that kind of result. So we have to be really honest with ourselves and look at it. If, however, when you reflect on what I've just challenged you on there, and you say, you know what, I've given this thing six months it's had all these resources thrown at it. It's a marketing campaign. It's had all these hours thrown at it. It's had all these effective working practices focused on it. It's also had this money and this energy pushed behind it and nothing's happening. It's probably time to shift your strategy. Unfortunately, I can't tell you exactly when that point is and this is the problem. You just need to be honest with yourself and saying, am I working on the right thing right now? Am I applying the right strategy right now? Am I, am I doing the right thing by quitting and moving on to something else? Or am I doing the right thing by doubling down and belligerently moving forward? And the way you get down to as much honesty and authenticity as you can is you need to reflect on your motivations for doing what you're doing. So if you're sticking with a project because you don't want to be wrong, that's not the right reasons to stick with it. The right reasons to stick with something is because it's the right strategy. You believe in the strategy. It's going to be the one that's going to get you there. You just haven't worked out yet how to make it work. But everything in you tells you that this is the right thing. Not just emotional, not just gut instincts, but everything at an intellectual level, everything at a cognitive level. You know, when you look at it and you assess it and you say, you know what, this is the right thing to do. That's the right reasons for doubling down. Belligerently sticking to your guns so you, you're not proved to be wrong or just because you have to win would not be the right reasons to stick with something. Does this make sense? I hope it does. The smart entrepreneur knows when to do more and when to do different. Do some self-reflection there. Look at your business as a whole. Look at each project, maybe major project within that business and ask yourself really simply, do I need to do more or is it time that I start to do different? Awesome. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you're a five-figure business doing 20, 30, 40, maybe even 50 or 60,000 pound turnover, but you haven't yet hit 100 grand, 
then don't forget the six-figure fast track is waiting for you. Completely free resource is my webinar masterclass designed specifically with the five-figure service-based business in mind and what it takes to hit 100K in turnover in 12 months or less. We're going to look at your six-figure mindset. We're going to look at your six-figure business model, but actually really relevant to what we're looking at today, we also look at six-figure methodology. In other words, the day-to-day activities that are going to get you to 100 grand or more. We're going to look at what you need to be doing. I'm going to get you to assess your own business for that, but also we're going to be looking at what you need to stop doing, the stuff that's actually holding you back and being detrimental towards your business growth. Get yourself on the Six Figure Fast Track. You'll find that at biggerbrighterbolder.co.uk forward slash fast track. I'll put the link in the descriptions. I will see you next time. And until then, as always, be successful. Leveling up. Extreme business growth through raising your game. When what was once extraordinary becomes ordinary, you know you've leveled up.